Welcome to the MPC Podcast. I am Tim W. Gill, pastor of Medora Pentecostal Church, and I'm thrilled that you've joined us today. Here at MPC, we are committed to bringing hope and building lives. One way we do that is through this podcast. Thank you for listening, for sharing and reviewing what we do here. It is our desire to connect with you, and you can find us on Facebook, or you can find us at our website, medorachurch.com. It is our prayer that today's message inspires you, encourages you, and that the kingdom of God is advanced in your life. Let's get right to the word of the Lord today. Thank you all for being here. I'm excited for our study tonight and our prayer time thereafter. Uh, tonight we're going to talk about a proactive pivot. A proactive pivot. So what exactly do we mean by that? We're going to talk about how we can proactively pivot in these battles that we'll face in our lives. So to be proactive is acting in advance to deal with unexpected or to deal with an expected difficulty. And we know that difficulties will come in our spiritual walk. As we grow closer and closer to God, the devil will fight us harder and harder. So to be proactive is to say, I know it's coming, so I'm going to prepare for the expected battle to come. So to pivot then is to adapt or improve by adjusting or modifying something. So we are going to proactively pivot. What does that exactly mean? Given those definitions, it means that I am aware that difficulties will come. I am aware that battles will come and they will face me. However, I am ready to make changes. I'm ready to adjust on the fly, if you will. I'm ready to pivot in these battles in my life. I'm ready to take what I know is coming. I may not know where it comes from or what it exactly looks like, these battles in our lives, but I know it's coming. So I'm going to work ahead of it and I'm going to change whatever needs changed in order to be victorious. All right, so we're going to look at these battles in our lives. We're going to look at these things and realize they are coming. How can we prepare for them? And we learned a little bit about that Sunday, to be in the wilderness. We prepare for these things, right? So now we're going to put it into action. And what we're going to do is we're going to walk through uh, our story of David and Goliath. We're going to walk through, and we're going to kind of commentary it together. We're going to walk through it, pick, each, uh, pick a couple verses, and we're going to talk about something that David did, something that Goliath did, and talk about how we can apply that in our own life. So where we pick up our story here with David and Goliath, David comes to deliver food to his brothers on the battlefield. He hears this giant roaring insults against God and against the Israelite army, and he's had enough. He hears this giant just roaring and roaring. So he begins to talk among the ranks. He, he lets his, uh, how would you say, his, his emotions, he lets his thoughts be made known, all right? He's not screaming it from the roof bottom, but it, well, when it comes up, he's letting everybody know how he feels about it. I've had enough. What's going to be done to the man that kills this guy? What's going to be done? What's going to be done? And sooner or later, word gets back to King Saul. And we pick up the story where King Saul and David are having a little chat. Verse 36 of 1 Samuel 17. Thy servant, David speaking of himself, thy servant slew both the lion and the bear. And this uncircumcised Philistine shall be as one of them, seeing he has defied the armies of the living God. David said, moreover, the Lord that delivered me out of the paw of the lion and out of the paw of the bear, he will deliver me out of the hand of the Philistine. 
And Saul said to David, go, and the Lord be with thee. So first, the first thing David does is he lets Saul know, God's been preparing me for this battle for some time. I'm not coming empty-handed. I'm not just stepping up as some goofy guy that doesn't know what's going on. I've been here before. I know what's happening. And I know each and every one of us in the room could say exactly that. We can step onto any battlefield and say, I've been through this before. Not uh, braggadociously or, you know, puffing your chest out, but you can say, I've been here before. I've fought some battles. I've fought a lion. I've fought a bear. This Philistine, he'll be just like the rest of them. The battles that are going to come in my life, they'll be the same as the battles that are behind me. It will be behind me. So that's the first thing David does. He realizes and lets it be made known, I've fought some battles, I've had some giants in the wilderness, and this giant will be just as the rest of them. So I encourage you, that's how you can be proactive in the season you're in right now. Already making the facts known in your own mind and of anything that wants to attack you. Listen, I've fought some battles. I've fought this battle before. I've fought this giant before. And if you come at me again, when you come at me again, I'll beat you just like I did before. In the hand of the Lord, I will beat you just like before. Saying it in confidence, not in yourself, but confidence in the God that you serve. He will destroy you by my hands. Next, we see verse 38. And Saul armed David with his armor. He put on a helmet of brass upon his head. He armed him with a coat of mail. And David girded his sword upon this armor. And he essayed to go, for he had not proved it. David said to Saul, I can't go with these. For I have not proved them. David put them off of him. He took them off. He took his staff in his hand and chose him five smooth stones out of the brook and put them in a shepherd's bag, which he had. Even in a scrip and his sling was in his hand. And he drew near to the Philistine. So let's talk about weapons here. The weapons. The way that you fight may not look like the way that I fight. And that's okay. Because we fight different battles. We fight different giants. We fight these, maybe even the same giants, in different ways. David couldn't fight Goliath how Saul would have fought Goliath had he got out of his tent. But not going to say I would have been any better than Saul. David didn't take the strategy that looked most promising in the eyes of every single person in that camp and the other camp. He took the strategy that looked the most promising for him. He took the way that looked crazy to everybody else. You are going against a giant. And what are you taking with you? What are you taking with you? Clark's commentary on this verse says, In ancient times, it required considerable exercise and training to make a man an expert in such heavy armor. Armor which in this present day, scarcely a man is to be found that could carry it. End quote. So Clark's saying it would have taken a long time for David to become an expert in this. He would have had to train. He would have had to exercise. And it's not something you just pick up willy-nilly. So David rejected the offer from Saul to use his armor, the good armor, if you will, the, probably the best armor that money could buy at that point, the best of the best. But David said, that's not how I do things. That's not the way I fight. That's not the way I've taken things in my life. So what did David take? He took just a few items. First, he took his shepherd's staff. Could be useful, I take it. Secondly, he took five smooth stones, which he slid into his shepherd's bag, another item he took. And lastly, he took his sling. 
he stepped out onto the battlefield to face the biggest dude that's ever been, up to that point probably, and maybe even still, not with a coat of armor, not with the best of the best, but with a staff, a bag, a couple rocks, and a slingshot. Because that worked for him. And that's all that mattered. It doesn't matter what armor, it doesn't matter what weapons, what devices you use to fight your battles. Use them. I may call them crazy. Call me crazy and keep on fighting. Use the battles. Use the weapons that God has prepared you with and use those to fight the battles that are before you. Don't worry about what everybody else is doing. You take your, you take your weapons and you put them to work. Why was this so important? Why is this so important? Because it was David realizing who he was. Or not realizing, but David showing to everybody else who he was. He said, I'm going to take this dude, and I'm not going to take him as some junior King Saul. I'm taking him as David the shepherd. It doesn't matter if everybody else thinks a shepherd can't take this guy. I'm stepping on the battlefield, and I'm stepping out exactly who I am. So I encourage you to war against this insecurity that rises up. It says, well, I'm supposed to fight battles this way. I'm supposed to pray this way. I'm supposed to study this way. I'm supposed to do this, this way, or this, that way. Don't worry about what everybody else is doing. Take the weapons you have. Take the way that you fight and fight. Verse 42, and when the Philistine looked about and he saw David, he disdained him. He disdained him, for he was but a youth. How dare you? How dare you? He was ruddy. He was of a fair countenance. And the Philistine said unto him, Am I a dog that you would come unto me with staves? That's his shepherd's staff. You would dare step on the battlefield against me, and you would do it with a shepherd's staff. And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. That phrasing there, he was of a fair countenance, implies, and I'm reading from the definition here. I'm not embellishing any of this. He was beautiful. He was handsome, and he was sleek. He was guapo. He was handsome. He had it going on. That's probably another reason Saul, or, uh, Goliath really didn't like it. In fact, we read Adam Clark of his commentary and I quote, he held him in contempt. He saw that he was young and from his ruddy complexion supposed him to be effeminate. End quote. He stepped out and Goliath, and this is a direct quote. You can quote me on this that Goliath said this. He stepped out and said, you limber-wristed, Israelite, sheep-keeping, good-for-nothing, whippersnapper. Direct quote, by the way. That might be the message version. Ah, it gets kind of fuzzy. Are you kidding me? You would dare step out against me, and you would use that? That's exactly what the enemy tries to do in our fights, too. He tries to inflate himself so big and puts the focus on how small you are. When all the while, it's like the man behind the curtain, right? The devil's trying to fight this big facade, trying to show you, you're so small, you're so small, you're so tiny, you're so weak. You remember last week when you couldn't even fight this or you couldn't even fight that? He tried to stress just how strong he was and how little David was. All the while, 
None of that mattered. Continuing, the enemy tells you you're significant, insignificant. He tells you how you really just can't do anything. He, he's so wise and he's so cunning and he's so unbeatable. Why on earth would you even try? Why would you even want to stand up? Why would you even want to fight this? Because look at you and look at this situation. Look at what's before you. You won't be victorious over this. You can't face this. You can't fight. You can't. Are you kidding me? You would step out to me with that little paged Bible thing? Is that all you got? A couple old words from a few old men? Is that all you? The devil steps out and will tell you absolutely anything to try to make you feel small because he knows how mighty you actually are. You feel like you're failing in every way. You hear that voice in the back of your head. You can't do anything right. You just can't seem to gain any traction anywhere, can you? You just can't seem to stop feeling overwhelmed, just crushed by the weight of everything that's going on. All the while, that voice is in the back of your head. Why are you even trying? Why do you even want to fight this? You're so small. You're so tiny. And I'm so big. What's the point? I want to zero in here on David's response. Then David said, and remember, he's humiliating him with that big, booming, nine-foot frame voice booming through the valley where both armies can probably hear him. And David listens to every word. He sits there, probably doesn't even shake a lick. And then he delivers in verse 45. You come to me with a sword and with a spear and with a shield. But I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day will the Lord deliver you into my hand, and I will smite you, and I will take your head from you, and I will give the carcasses of the host of the Philistines this day unto the fowls of the air and the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. And all the assembly shall know the Lord saves, not with a sword and with a spear. For the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you, give you into my hands. Do the same thing. Because it probably seemed really convincing when the Philistines stood out there and started booming. How dare you? How dare you? And the only thing David did, he pivoted. He adjusted. He said, well... Let's bring it back into focus here. We're fighting, but it's not just us. I've got something behind me. You know, we're here. We're standing here. You got me by four or five feet and several hundred pounds, but that's not the whole story. David said, it might seem really, really convincing what you just said, except most of it was a lie, except you forgot to mention the God I fight with, except you forgot to mention the fact that I've already killed a lion, and I've already killed a bear. I've already done all this stuff. Because I love that David just pivots right back. That, see, the enemy will always try to pull you off away from the true narrative, the truth, and will try to spin this little narrative, try to spin this thing on you. Like, well, you know, you're too small, you're too this. Pivot it right back in. Come right back in and say, well, it's actually not about me. It doesn't matter how big or small I feel because it's not about me. Because the Lord will deliver you into my hand. I'm not even going to do it. God's going to do it through my hand. Never let the enemy determine the terms of the battle. 
Never let him say, you have to fight me this way. Bring it back in and say, no, no, no. <laughs> this is God's fight. This is not my fight. Verse 48, and it came to pass when the Philistine arose and came and drew nigh to meet David. He started making his way in. He said, enough talking. I'm going to start taking care of business here. You're just coming over here. You limber wrist. I'm just not going to quote it again. And David hastened and ran toward the army to meet the Philistine. And David put his hand in his bag and took a stone and slew, slang it and smote the Philistine in the forehead that the stone sunk into his forehead and he fell upon the face of the earth. David made another pivot here. Because Goliath arose and did what? Went to meet him, right? He rose up and started to close some distance, right? He started to come in close. So what did David do? Mm-mm, mm-mm. David said, I realize this isn't about me. God's fighting this battle. But if I get close to you, I'm at a severe disadvantage. So David pulled out a stone and realized, if we're at a distance, I got you. It's over. That pulls back to, don't let the enemy determine the way that you fight. David changed the terms of the fight right there. Because Goliath wanted to bring it in close. He wanted to come in for close quarter. He said, come on over here. I'm going to tear your head off. But David closed the distance and kept distance before Goliath could do a thing. So he pivoted. He changed. While the enemy tried to bring him in and start to mess with his mind, while he tried to come in and bring him within sword distance, David changed the whole thing. A study from Bill Soans and Rich Soans, PhD, they said, for 40 days, the giant Philistine had challenged the Israelis, but none had dared to take up the fight until David stepped forth. He chose five smooth stones from a brook and walked into range, keeping safe because Goliath's sword was useless with such a wide separation. Says Gerald Walker in the Flying Circus of Physics, David slung the first stone that hit with such momentum it burrowed into the giant's forehead. The sling had a flexible pocket with two straps attached, made taut by pulling it in vertical circles several times to build up kinetic energy. Then the sling would hurl. And listen to this. This is crazy. The sling would hurl a roughly a one-ounce stone at 62 miles an hour to hit a target up to 218 yards away. He would sling that little pebble. 62 miles an hour to hit a target two football fields away. So now, when the enemy was standing there the whole time, you're too small. You ain't got it. The whole time, David had them rocks in his pockets and said, I got something for you, buddy. So I want to encourage you. We're going to go into prayer right now if you would stand with me. We're going to pray over each of these sections individually. And I want to encourage you Pivot back to the truth. Pivot back to what God has said. Thank you for listening to the MPC podcast. We trust that today's message has inspired you, encouraged you, and strengthened you in the Lord. 
we would like to invite you to join us again by simply subscribing to our podcast, and we encourage you to write a review if it has been a blessing to you. Again, you can find us at medorachurch.com to learn more about our ministry.